call me sentimental, but to me, the most joyful moment in sports is the soccer goal. And when that goal happens at the World Cup, well, it's pretty good. I'm Brian Phillips. With the 2022 Men's World Cup approaching, I'm making a podcast called 22 Goals on the Ringer Podcast Network. It's about 22 of the most fire emoji goals in the history of the tournament. We're going to have so much fun. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, Start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present. In select states, gambling problem, call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. All righty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in a jam-packed Sunday Monday, whatever the edition may be of New York, New York, we have concluded Labor Day weekend. Yours truly, J.J. Jastrzemski, hanging by a damn thread. I'm hanging by a thread, folks. And I think that for many of the New York Yankee fans who listen to this show, you feel the exact same way. The team has been absolutely dreadful for the last two months. They lose the first two games of this series against the Rays where their offense is beyond anemic. It is beyond pathetic. You put Benintendi on the IL. You look at the lineup they're running out there on Saturday, and it is an absolute joke. They are a one-man show. They are a one-man wrecking crew. And look, we could talk about the bigger picture of this team and where they stand in September, and where they stand come playoff time, where, let's be honest, at this point, you can't exactly expect a whole heck of a lot from what you've seen over the last eight weeks. But this was the sort of game Sunday. You go and lose. It's real. It's legitimate. The idea of yucking up 15 and a half games and talking about that as one of the all-time great baseball collapses that the sport has ever seen. The Yankees desperately needed to win this game on Sunday. And sure enough, even though I don't care for the life of me, 
why you would put Aaron Judge in the leadoff spot. I think it's asinine. I think it makes absolutely no sense. I, I, I understand nobody is hitting. I understand DJ LeMayu is a corpse right now and cannot elevate the ball. And he's a mess. And Rizzo's not there. And, and Stanton is a mess. But Judge in the leadoff spot, I mean, just seems wasteful. But boom, he hits the home run, gives you the lead. Great. They finally scratch across a second run. Thankfully, scratch across a second run. With the Oswaldo Cabrera sacrifice fly, you get great start out of Montez. The rest of the bullpen, especially Loisaga, looks great. But when the Yankees strand first and third with nobody out in the eighth inning, I said, this is going to come back, and this is going to bite them in the ass. This is going to be something that we look at and say, oh, man, oh, boy, am I going to be sweating this out? Is this going to be a nightmare for us in the bottom half of the ninth inning? Well, it sure was because Clay Holmes comes in and it wasn't the instance of Clay Holmes not knowing where the baseball is going. It was far more the instance of Clay Holmes just throwing fat pitches all over the plate to the point where Tampa Bay is getting hit after hit after hit. And I tweeted about this and I know they had a terrific hitter in Ramirez on the bench. I would have yanked Holmes for Andy Diaz. I would not have given Clay Holmes Andy Diaz because... He looked very hittable. And I know Peralta, say what you want about the guy. He's got some chutzpah. He's got some balls. He can make a big pitch when he needs to. Holmes gets the all-time bailout from the whole point umpire. Let's call it what it is. Listen, I'll be the first to admit it. I'm not going to lie about this in any way. I will be the first to tell you the Yankees got a massive, massive, massive gift. No ifs, ands, or buts. Massive gift. And they needed it. I'm not apologizing for it. The team is played like garbage. Take the gift and run with it. And it's basically a two-game stretch within the standings. That's basically what it boils down to. You would have lost this game today. Think about this for a minute. It would have been a two-game lead in the loss column. And that's the number, and that's the statistic you care about the most, the loss column, because you can't get those games back. They needed this one. Desperately, desperately, desperately needed this one. Do I feel good about the lineup? Of course not. Do I have any idea when Andrew Benintendi is coming back? I have no clue. That is a big loss for this team. Rizzo, his deal with the epidural on his back. Can he play against Minnesota? Can he play next week when the Yankees take on the Tampa Bay Rays? I have no idea. But get out and dodge. The Yankees got to win. They get out and dodge. Great. Now it's time to start winning some games again. Because you're kind of at a point with this team where everybody's down on the GM, myself included. Everybody's down on the manager. The roster, you look up and down the lineup, there is dead weight galore. So you're trying to think of ways in which you can be re-inspired by this team. And I honestly don't know what that would be. Is it Stanton going on a hot streak? Is it getting Rizzo back and having him go on a hot streak if his back is okay? Is it Severino and Cortez? But let's be honest, the pitching is not the problem for the Yankees. It's the fact that they cannot score runs at all in any way. That is the issue for the New York Yankees. That is the problem for the New York Yankees. And that's why you're going to be holding on, I think, to deal life throughout the month of September. I cannot believe for the life of me that we are talking about the Yankees holding on for dear life in the month of September. But that's a reality of the situation. Thank goodness they won this game tonight. That's all I'm going to say. Thank goodness. And it's not even like you're excited and that you're fired up. It's just thank, thank God, okay? Thank heavens. 
The team has given me enough agita. They've given me enough reasons to drink. Faye Winks. So thank heavens they don't ruin another Sunday. Thank heavens. Now, this is going to get lost in the shuffle a little bit because of how historically bad the Yankees have been over the last two months. But let's not beat around the bush and let's not sugarcoat this in any way. The Mets did a deplorable, deplorable, deplorable job. And before we get to that, I'm seeing this now. Ben Benintendi needs surgery. Yep. Broke the hook of his, his Hamad bone or whatever the hell they call it. So he's finished. Oh, that's, that's dandy. That's dandy. So that means I got to watch more Aaron Hicks. I mean, you knew it. You knew it. You knew it. You knew it. If you're watching the game Friday, that Benintendi was cooked. Because anytime it is a non-contact wrist injury, and he basically said, and yes, cameras caught it, he heard a pop. Oh, that's a nightmare for the Yankees. That is an absolute nightmare for the Yankees. Listen, they're bad enough to begin with. I, I, I have no idea. I have no clue to how they're going to generate offense throughout September and in the postseason. I, I don't have the slightest idea. Now, sorry to get distracted off of this. Because I just saw that come across my Twitter timeline and I wanted to share it. The Mets did a brutal job this weekend. This is a bad, bad Washington national team. This is a team that's 40 games under 500. For the Mets to go and be as anemic and as lifeless as they were on offense on Saturday and then again on Sunday is completely unacceptable. I understand the Mets have played great baseball all year. I understand that the Mets have been a great home team all year and that they've done a wonderful job of beating up the National League East. They have. The issue you run into, they have a competitor within their division that doesn't lose. As we are taping this podcast right now on Sunday, the Atlanta Braves are up 4 to nothing against the Miami Marlins in the bottom half of the seventh inning. So you don't have to be, you know, a brain surgeon to figure this one out. Braves win, Mets lose, division lead, down to one game. And all that good work that the Mets would end up doing, let's say, as far as, you know, Buck and, and Lindor and Scherzer and on and on we go, you could be at the peril, potentially, of those last three games against the Braves at the end of the year, deciding the division. And if you don't play well in those games, and let's say you lose two out of three, or heaven forbid you get swept, then all of a sudden the Mets are in a predicament where they're playing a best of three with the year that they've had. Kind of unfair because the National League is just loaded. And if you look and you compare, the National League is just, the top of it is better than the American League. It's just sizably and significantly better. With the Cardinals' emergence, with the Mets, with the Braves, with the Dodgers. The National League, those top four teams are better than anybody outside the Eastern Astros, at least the way I see it. But you're in a predicament now where you're sweating. And this was supposed to be the portion of the schedule in which the Mets, they go in there and get fat. Didn't happen. And I know Carrasco was not good. The defense for the Mets was not particularly good. But I need more than two runs in two games against that national team. Corbin, who can't get anybody out, completely shuts him down. And then today, they can't hit against Fidei. <laughs> Give me a break. That's just, it's a bad job from the Met lineup. Bad job all the way around. When Dor had a chance on Saturday to be a hero and couldn't do it, Sunday, they just they generate nothing on offense. Nothing. So now, you go to Pittsburgh, you better get fat. That's going to be my warning for the Mets. You need to win 
games and you need to press and push the envelope because Atlanta's not going anywhere. We've learned that now about the Atlanta Braves. They are here to stay. And the scare for the Mets this weekend, aside from the bad offensive display of Saturday and Sunday, Scherzer will leaving that game after five innings. And I know there are a lot of Mets fans who want pins and freaking needles about what was going to go on as far as is he done for the year? What's the case? What's it going to be? No. He's being smart. He's being practical when it comes to that oblique. Because if he ends up having a setback with the oblique that is significant, that could cost you the season. And the fear with Scherzer, and we saw this last year with the Dodgers, as good as he was in Washington, as good as he was with the L.A. Dodgers just a year ago, he completely ran out of gas in the playoffs to the point where he was cooked in the playoffs. He saved him for a month, goes on the IL, what, back in May into June. But that's like a, that's a lingering fear you have to have when you saw that last year in October. So good for Scherzer realizing and knowing his body being this wily smart veteran that he is because if he were to go and tweak that oblique, yeah, that might be season ending at this point in the year. So, I, I cannot believe Ben Attendee is done for the year. I mean, listen, the Yankees right now are in a, a whole world of trouble. I mean, the only silver linings they won this game tonight. There's going to be some, some treacherous times ahead for the New York baseball teams. The Mets in holding off the Braves, the Yankees in just getting out of their own way and, and trying to figure out what a competent lineup can look like and how can they avoid this idea of just stop being a one-man show. It's what they are. They're a one-man show. It's the Aaron Judge show. That's exactly what it is. And I'm in a shitty, miserable mood, even with a win today. The, the only silver lining for the Yankees, you got a little help from the home plate umpire. So, loaded show. Calls over-unders for the NFL. We got you covered there. Charles Davis to preview the year, who I love. I think he's one of the best analysts. He is absolutely fantastic. He will join us. Um, and, oh, by the way, we are going to have a Tuesday regular spot with the quarterback of the New York football Giants. You might have saw that in the New York Post over the weekend. That was the big announcement we were teasing. I guess the no-huddle offense with Daniel Jones and John Zostrzemski, and I hope Daniel Jones can handle me well. I know he's used to dealing with uh, defensive linemen and linebackers and big boys coming at him. He gets to spend some time with me every 20 to 25 minutes on Tuesday, so we're fired up for that. All right, calls right out of the gate. Football stuff to get to. Loaded Labor Day weekend show. Coming right back. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All right, voicemail time. And, you know, I got to figure out what the Yankee lineup is going to look like. Can you get Harrison Bader back here, please? You know, it's bad enough they traded Montgomery, who threw another shutout the other day against the Cubs. Can they get Bader out of a walking boot? Can they get Carpenter back? Peraza's got to play every day. And they need Stanton in the outfield. 
I mean, the Yankee lineup losing Benintendi, that is a monster, monster, monster blow. All right, voicemail time. 917-382-1151. Let's hear them. Hey, JJ. This is Ryan out in Myrtle Beach, uh, formerly of Long Island. Um, I want to talk about the Yankees. Benintendi's out for the season. What on earth are we doing in the outfield? Come playoff time. I mean, are we really going to see Hicks out there? Is Bader going to be out there? Carpenter, if he comes back? It's a little scary. My next question, we assume the Yankees aren't going to win the World Series. Do you think Boone will come back? I kind of figure he will. Hypothetically, who would you want managing the team next year? And Spoke Showalter is obviously not available. Thanks. couple of great questions. Look, the Yankees, think about this for a minute. Lost a wild card game in Boston. Extended Aaron Boone with a four-year contract. My bigger issue right now, and you guys know I am not a fan of this Yankee manager, and I didn't want to bring him back last year, and I thought Buck was the perfect guy to run the team. The bigger issue is the front office and the team they have put together that is flawed, that is falling apart, and that's where Cashman, to me, has got to take the heat. And I said this on our Spotify Live over the weekend, and I'll say it again now. The Yankees fall short here, and they lose in the first round, or they yuck up this division. To me, it's the perfect time to go and start anew in the front office and start anew with the manager. I haven't even given it any thought to who the next manager of the Yankees is going to be because I think if Cashman's here, Boone's here. And I'm not saying that's right or I'm not saying that's justified, but that's realistic. I think if Cashman is here, Aaron Boone is going to be the manager because if that wasn't going to be the case, he would have fired him last year. The more important question for the short term is what this team looks like without Benintendi, who was hitting, was left-handed, was providing what they needed. I think for the time being, it means Cabrera is an everyday player. There's no doubt there. He's got to play, and Peraza's got to play. I know Peraza hasn't hit yet, but at this point, if you're the Yankees, you, you, you need him out there. I don't need to see IKF booting balls at shortstop. He can't handle the position. So play Peraza there. Bader at some point, I I, I, I don't know what the deal is. It's September. I, I, I would hope that he's close. And I know some people are telling me, oh, Benintendi could come back. There is no way Benintendi is going to be able to get ready and ramp it up for the postseason. How is he going to be able to get the timing down and get to where he needs to be? As far as I'm concerned, he's done for the year. I think you got a better chance at this point of getting Carpenter back than you do Benintendi, and at least you could DH him. But Stanton in the outfield has got to be a thing. But you know what's really alarming? LeMayu looks cooked. Since the injury, he cannot hit the ball in the air. And they need Rizzo, too. I hope that back specialist and whatever he got over the weekend in L.A. Uh, is a miracle worker. The Epidoro, whatever the hell it is, please. <laughs> Give me something from Anthony Rizzo. They need him. They need him. They need him in the lineup. But it's problematic for the Yankees losing Benintendi. There's no doubt. It is problematic. All right, who's next? Hey, JJ. It's Anthony from Tom's River. Just got finished watching that game with the Rays on Sunday. And, man, what a nail-biter. But they got the win. I'll take that strike three call any day of the week. Um, Aaron Judge has just been unbelievable though and he continues to rake these home runs and you think like with the way the offense has been they would just continue to walk him or something but he's still being able to hit home runs and you know now he's at 53 and you know hopefully he gets to the, the 60 mark and hits 61 and 62 and the Yankees can win the division my question for you though is of all the athletes that you have seen like, is this the biggest bet-on-yourself type of performance? I mean, this guy was going to be a free agent, turned down 
200 plus million dollars. And now he's probably making himself at least an extra 100 million. Um, the only time I could think of something similar to this was like the year Joe Flacco won the Super Bowl. But is, do you think this is the biggest bet on your self performance, uh, for this year? All right, JJ. Appreciate it. Thanks. When you brought up betting on yourself, Joe Flacco was exactly the guy I was thinking about because when he turned down what was a pretty sizable contract, I thought, I'm like, oh boy, this guy better go and ball out. He did all of that and then some, beating Manning and beating Brady and then beating the Niners in the Super Bowl and winning Super Bowl MVP. Joe Flacco got $100 plus million. Judge this year, though, it is an all-time bet on yourself year. All freaking time bet on yourself year. He deserves every last penny. They might as well give him the keys to the city. And could you imagine the New York Yankees without Aaron Judge on this team? Think about that for a minute. Could you imagine what the Yankees would look like if Judge wasn't here? Just let that process for a minute. That's why anybody who's making the argument that Otani is the MVP, they could take that argument and stick it with a sun don't shine. Please, it is such nonsense. On a team that is going to win 72 games this year, you might as well just give Otani the MVP every year then. Because I get it. He pitches. Nobody else can do that. Pitch and hit. He's a freak. He's a stud. He's incredible. But the idea of making the argument now that he's more valuable to his team than Aaron Judge, did you watch the Yankees over the course of this weekend as they are clinging to this division lead? Please, it's not even close. Give him the MVP tomorrow. Who's next? JJ, what up, brother? Chris from Springfield, Mass. I've been uh, watching the Yanks from afar this season, and uh, I was taken aback. I was... I felt very disrespected when Aaron Booth said I cast one of the best defensive shortstops in all the baseball after we've seen this guy has become a butcher. Um, should have had two errors. DJ bailed him out today. Um, and it's just constant. It's like the guy has no stones. I tell my friends in the Yankees chat, Aaron Boone reminds me of Jason Garrett, the clapper of the Yankees. Like, it's just so hard to root for this team. Like, this, this guy refuses to sit Donaldson. He refuses to sit IKF. Like, bro, what are we doing here? Um, big win. Big win today. I'll take it. 80 wins. Let's finish strong. Um, we're getting some guys back. Sevy, Cortez, Britton. Let's, let's get rolling here. Hopefully some guys can start hitting. Um, everything's in front of us. It hasn't looked good, but everything's in front of us. Mets fans, you guys need to shut up. Stop worrying about us because the Braves are a game. They're going to be a game behind you by the time this night's over. So worry about yourself. Worry about fending off the Braves. And, um, yeah, also, JJ, want to, you know, I know you said you're going to give the announcement, a big announcement on this podcast. I kind of read on the post what it is. I'm a big Giants fan. I'm a big fan of yours. And uh, sky's the limit, brother. Keep crushing it. Keep killing it. Um, it's only up from here. Wish you the best. Well, I appreciate those kind words. And I'm fired up to do this weekly with Daniel Jones. Listen, we're going to try to get Daniel to come out of his shell a little bit here. And look, the best way for that to happen is for him to go out and play great and for the Giants to surprise a lot of people within the NFC East. But look, he's got a job to do. We got a job to do. We're going to try to make it as comfortable and as easy for him and as real for him as possible. But, you know, it's one of those things. And I told his folks this when we worked out the deal. I said, look, Daniel, I'm going to be real with you, bro. You come on, you throw three touchdowns. We're going to be as easy peasy as can be. You go and have a lousy Sunday and throw three or four interceptions. You're not going to like some of my questions. That's just the way it is. That's the sort of give and take. We got to be real. That's what we do on this show. So you can guarantee that Tuesday chat's going to be as real as it gets on both ends. But he's a good guy. I'm rooting for him. I now have a vested interest in him. So we'll see if he can make the most of this prove-it year with Brian Dable in the offense. And look, 
for the baseball teams, it's treacherous now. It's treacherous for the Yankees in September, holding off the Rays, holding off whoever, figuring out what their lineup is going to look like and how they can score runs. And for the Mets, the Braves, you got three left with them. These games against the Cupcakes, you got to get fat. Instead of getting fat this weekend, the Mets took the cupcakes and threw them out the window. Like they were on a diet. You know, like they were doing Weight Watchers or something. Come on. Got to eat those cupcakes. Got to get fat. All right, last but not least, let's hear it, stuff. JJ, it's Anthony and Syoff. Number one, I want to apologize to anybody in that green room on Friday night that was waiting for me to blow up. But, you know, I stand by my reaction. I'm not going to get worked up on this team if they're not going to show any effort despite the loss. I know Charlie and that uh, fat pig in Newark were a little upset and a few others that I didn't really have the fire. But, you know, they've spent me, dude. They've spent me over the course of now, what, 50-some-odd games. Like, what do you want me to say? That's number one. Number two, listen, a win is a win. 2-1 is a win, just like losing 15-14 to is a loss. But, dude, they scored three runs all weekend in Tampa Bay. Three runs. They pitched well. Like, uh, you you want me to give you a silver lining? Even though Holmes got hit hard in the ninth. And by the way, that was a strike three to Diaz. I'm sorry, 3-2 count that spot in the game, anything close to swinging. I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at the replay, 102-mile-an-hour sinker, and it hit the bottom of the of the zone. But the bottom line is this. You know, they're going back to Yankee Stadium. Outside of Judge, no one is hitting. You don't want to get too hard on the kids. And guys like Higashioka and IKF aren't here to hit. But the Donaldsons of the world, the Stantons of the world, the LeMayhews of the world, uh, dude, I'm sorry. You're, you're playing, you're hurt, whatever it is. You have to perform. Enough's enough. So those are three guys that I'm looking at for this homestand. Because I'll tell you right now, there's nothing more that the Twins would love to do than come to Yankee Stadium and put some pressure on them. I don't think the Twins are a pushover by any means. And they have something to play for as well. Um, so again, three runs. This is a failure of a weekend. Three, run, uh, three runs in, um, in three games. It's pathetic, dude. Now, by the way, uh, tomorrow morning I'll be on my way to Atlantic City. I'll be watching the game at the Borgata, and Knuckles and I are watching the Scorpions tomorrow night uh, after a nice steak dinner. I, I know you're not into German glam rock from the 80s, but uh, open invitation if you'd like to join me and Knuckles at the Borgata tomorrow. Also, what about our friend Stu Finer, by the way? Looks like he's down about 30 pounds, eating clean, eating healthy, running every day. So shout out to our buddy Stu. Uh, and again, Nothing that I saw from the Yankees this weekend to change the fact that I'm disgusted. So God bless. Love you, Syosset. I'm going to have to pass on the Gata. I'm still dealing with some uh, PTSD from Vegas, being there Monday and Tuesday. Enjoy a little uh, zoo and rock me like a hurricane and all that good stuff with the Scorpions. So uh, good luck to you on the tables. Listen, Stu is looking fantastic. And we're going to be at the compound for week four. Dolphins, Bengals, I hope to see you out there. Uh, we will be at the compound. Maybe there will be a podcast afterwards from the compound and away we go. Look, the Yankees aren't inspiring. They win this game today. They desperately needed this win today, but they aren't exactly putting you in a position where you're at ease, that you're comfortable, that you feel like this team has it. And I know some folks have brought up, you know, the 96 team went to this massive funk. They were up 10 or 12 and they cut it down to two and then they played great in September. Sorry, this ain't the 96 team. And don't tell me about 2000. With 2000, they were coming off three out of four World Series. So they had the pedigree to basically say, hey, we can turn it on. And if we get into the playoffs, we can win in the playoffs. This team hasn't done that. And you mentioned guys that need to get going on the homestand. Stanton, they need Stanton. 
Now, I hope that Rizzo is going to be able to play. They need Rizzo in that lineup desperately behind Aaron Judge. They need Rizzo in the lineup. They need Stanton to get going. Donaldson and Torres are like a lost cause. I, I mean, let's be honest. And then Donaldson today, what, what a jackass, by the way. What a jackass. Listen, I am all for being an agitator when you're playing well and you're helping the team. When you're hitting 210, shut up, bro. Shut up. Like, I saw that today, and it's like he's basically trying to provoke the Rays into a bench-clearing brawl. It's like, stop trying to be a fake tough guy, dude. I'm sorry. I defended the guy earlier in the year. Acting like a total ass clown. Let's call what it is. Total ass clown. So, we'll see who steps up. All right. Charles Davis is one of the best in the business. Football, believe it or not, is this week. Week one, believe it or not, is this week. CD on basically everything you need to know from a local perspective, from a national perspective. Getting you ready for football. Charles Davis, CBS Sports, is up next. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. You always know the start of the NFL season is upon us when we welcome in our next guest. He will be doing the games all season long with Iron Eagle on CBS. They had the defending AFC champ, Cincinnati Bengals, taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one. A lot of Jets and Giants to get to. Charles Davis. My dude, welcome back. How are you? JJ, it's good to see you. I'm so excited even the jazz hands for you. How about I that? love the jazz hands. I use the jazz hands way too often. I think it was our little geeked out Hudson <laughs> Valley chatter we were just getting into a few minutes ago with you and our esteemed producer, Stefan. I didn't know you were such an upstate legend, Charles. Listen, listen, I don't know that I'm a legend. I might oh, no, be, you're a legend. I might be more infamous than anything else, but the chance to talk to Stefan and, and like he was Dutchess County, I'm repping Ulster County, and we're only separated by a bridge. That's all it is. It's not a whole lot of real estate separating us, but the crazy part is our schools never met. Like he, he went to a big high school. I went to a, a moderate-sized high school, but the Hudson Valley, I loved growing up in Hudson Valley. I love it. I love being back there. I love getting over there. My dad was a coach at Marist College as an assistant. So all of that, by the way, it was D3 when my dad was an assistant coach. This is before we hit the coming to America scenes, right? When when, when the Marist running Red Foxes with Rick Smiths were playing St. John's and my man jumped up and said, in the face, in the face. If you watch that, watch those scenes, that's Marist St. John's at Madison Square Garden. You know, there are a lot of folks in the Hudson Valley who are big-time Jet and Giant fans. And yeah. let's be honest, Charles, there hasn't been much to cheer about for the There's better part of eight or nine years. There's so I'm going to ask you this right out of the gate. I don't think either team is a playoff team. Right. I think both teams still have a lot of work to do. But if there's a team that has a better chance to surprise this year or to exceed expectations, is it the Jets because they're further ahead in their curve? Or is it the Giants because the conference and the division is a lot weaker? 
Oh, that's a that's a great way to pose it. And you know, the the NFC East has not had a repeat champion since the Eagles in what 2003, 2004, 2005, to whatever it is. Remember, the Eagles were like the last repeat champion of the division. So that changes around a lot. So to your point, that opens things up, right? Do you really feel that Dallas or Philadelphia, you know, or, or Washington for sure, none of them feel like they're going to run away from someone, okay? But at the same time, Dallas was pretty darn good last year. But now they got some holes to fill. Philadelphia, I think, is a team that's ascending. And I know that this year's a referendum on Jalen Hurts. But I think he's Oh, he set up, Charles. I mean, you go in A.J. Brown with Devontae Smith and that running game and that line, he's set up to have success. He's set up for it. So that's how you find out. If it doesn't work, well, Howie Roseman gained another first-round draft pick in this year's draft. So he's set up both ways, right? And in Washington, we'll have to see. We absolutely have to see because we want that defense to play as they did two seasons ago. But for the for the Giants themselves, they have so many questions to answer. That's the big thing. I like what they did in the draft this year. Can Saquon bounce back in, in Brian Dayball's offense? Will he give him enough touches to bounce back in his offense? Because in Buffalo, he really pressed it with the passing game. But I think that was because of the trust of Josh Allen. Here, he may rely on him a little bit. I personally think the Jets are farther along, as you described. I think they have a chance to make a little bit of noise if Zach Wilson can get back and play at a bet at the level we saw at the end of last year. I think their drafts for the last couple of times have been wonderful under Joe Douglas. I like what they've done in free agency. I like how it's coming together. But they got up some things to prove themselves. So the Giants, yeah, I think you posed it perfectly. Within division, within conference, should have a better chance. But I do think the Jets' path right now seems to be the one that's a, that's a, a little bit better. How do I say better? A little bit farther along in terms of the blueprint. You know, I just like what they've done. Now those players have to maximize their draft level. That's what we need to see. And then on defense, some of the moves that they've made on defense they have to pay off as well because he's trying to find his next Fred Warner by moving some of those safeties in the linebacker. Can can that be realized? Sauce Gardner, studded Cincinnati, but he's a rookie corner, Charles. Now, yeah. he came on this podcast last week and said, I'm going to be great. So I love it. I love the confidence. I love the bravado. He said, I don't want to hear about that rookie corner nonsense. I'm going to be a pro bowler. I'm going to yeah. be an all pro. But you know this for well. It's a tough position to play as a rookie. Like, I even think about some of the best corners in the league. You know I'm a big Dolphin guy. Xavier Howard, his first year, missed a lot of time and was getting torched his rookie year. That learning curve at corner, how realistic is it for a rookie to come in and make an immediate impact? It's real, and, 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 and sometimes the results aren't spectacular, right? And, and it's only because of this. The size... The speed, the shape of this guy, these guys you're going to cover every week. If, if he's your primary cover, it changes from week to week. Okay, if I'm going to use a baseball analogy, it's like one of the great. It's like a great pitcher who can change speeds, change locations, and change what change approach, change arm, change, change arm angles, all that stuff. So every time out, you're getting different stuff. A great boxer always talks about you got to give him angles, give him different angles to look at. Head movement, bobbing, weaving. The reason I put all of those analogies, one week you're chasing around Tyreek Hill and that body type, right? The next week you might be chasing around a Devontae Parker who's a big, strong, physical guy now in New England, okay? 
And then if you're chasing Buffalo, am I covering Stephon Diggs, who's one of the premier route runners? Am I covering DeGabriel Davis, who's bulked up to almost 230 pounds and, and absolutely torched Kansas City in the playoffs last year? Do On key third downs in certain situations and defenses, does the tight end become the primary guy? And guess what? What if all of a sudden you're dealing with Kansas City and Travis Kelsey? What if you're dealing with Dawson Knox and Buffalo? That's how it goes. That's how they do things. But he, Ahmad Gardner, obviously a lot of people have him as the number one corner, and understandably so. I had him as number two. I had Derek Stingley ahead of him. But that was more on traits and what I think is going to be the future and the potential more so than the present, which was Ahmad Gardner played all the way through, no injuries, no issues. I understood why people had him at number one. It made sense. I took I took Stingley kind of like Trent Baalke did in Jacksonville taking Trayvon Walker instead of Aiden Hutchinson. I know what I'm getting out of Hutchinson. It's going to be terrific. I'm counting on Trayvon Walker giving me a little bit more later. We'll see. Same thing with Gardner and Stingley. Both of these quarterbacks in New York got a lot to prove. Daniel Jones has a lot to prove. They did not pick up the option. It's basically a prove-it year for him. Brian Dable, you mentioned it. He had great success with Josh Allen. Now we see what he can do with Daniel Jones. Zach Wilson, different stage. He's a second-year quarterback. He's probably going to be back with the Jets no matter what happens next year. Who do you think, Charles, is better set up to make a leap? Is it Wilson in his second year whenever he gets back on the field? Is it Jones going into this all-important year with the Giants? See, I'm going with Wilson only for this reason. It's the same people talking to him for the second year in a row. See, this is not what Daniel Jones has had during his time there. Even Mr. Mara has said it, and he said it publicly, and he's correct. Said we failed him. Yeah. Not an excuse. It's just too much change. Too many different people trying to coach you. Too many systems to learn. Not enough people up, up front blocking for you that were doing it consistently. That's not to absolve Daniel Jones of the issues he's had. Holding on to the football as quarterback 101. No one did it better last year than Joe Burrow. How many times did Joe Burrow get sacked? 70, 71 times? Some kind of crazy number like that? I'm not trying to over-exaggerate. That number's in my head. He got hit how many other times? But to make, to make it a microcosm, J.J., that playoff game against Tennessee, he was sacked 11 times unofficially. Nine counted. How many times did the ball come out of his hands and he turned it over? Zero. That was your ball game. That's why Tennessee didn't win, didn't advance. That has burned them the entire offseason. He's held on to the football. Daniel Jones, that's been an issue for him. He's been a bugaboo throughout his time. If he can, if he can correct that, I think Dave Bull's offense and all that is, go, is set up for him. I think all that is good. But Zach Wilson's got consistency in, in his pocket right now. And I don't think that that staff's going anywhere anytime soon. Brian Dayball's brand new, but this is the prove it year for Daniel Jones. He can't count on being there. You've been doing this a long time. Have you ever seen an AFC this good? <laughs> I mean, Charles, I'm going through it, and that's why I'm pessimistic on the Jets, because everything you said is accurate. They are better. It is the second year of a new regime. I like their draft. I like free agency. I'm like doing my prep work for the year, and I'm like, all right, well, who are the Jets better than? Houston? Maybe Jacksonville? After that, I'm like, mm, I don't know. Just think about your own, think about your own division. Because if you take away New England being New England, which they're going to get, always going to get extra points for being New England, 
If you take that away and really scrape it away. Oh, I think the roster needs a lot of work. Charles, okay, I'm, I'm right? down on the Patriots so, so, this year. I'm so down on them. In the division before we get to start the season and see if that comes back and the Patriot way works out again, you would have to go into this season. I think most people would say it's Buffalo, it's Miami. Then we're going to see what happens. We would we would suspect New England third, Jets fourth. But right now, the Jets are closer to New England when you start the season based on what you're looking at than you would have ever expected. But normally, if you would say that, you'd go, oh, that's pretty cool. But that would have been when New England was still number one in the division. Now it's not quite the same. So we'll just have to wait and see. You know, New England always seems to find a way as a general rule. We know that, and they deserve that extra New England bounce. But when you strip it all away, they're, they're, you sit there and you say to yourself, there's some questions with the roster, some questions with how, how things are going, and we'll see how it goes here in year two with Mac Jones. I would definitely have to put Miami and Buffalo ahead of them. I, I just, I'm not saying that with any disrespect, but that Miami roster, and I got to see them in person, JJ, I saw them a couple weeks ago in camp. That's a good-looking roster. I'm giddy. <laughs> you know that, Charles. I'm giddy about the year. I love the Hill move because oh. you know what they said? They said, look, Tua, we're going to get you an offensive coach, a guy yep. who's been great with every system he's been in. We're going to get you the fastest receiver in the NFL. We're going to get the most expensive left tackle in the NFL. Time to show me, big boy. Are you the quarterback or not? Like, fair or unfair, Charles? That's what it's the Dolphins have done for two of this season. And that's what the NFL is. And here's the other part, JJ. He's not rehabbing. He's going into a season not uncertain. You know, there's no Fitzpatrick around. And he has a coach that believes in it. Like, we can say whatever we want about the previous regime. There was just too much conversation and talk about not believing in Tua. Whether that the was Sean Watson, different coordinators, right. the Brady stuff. A lot of nonsense Everything. there. There was just way too much conversation about it for there not to be something in there, right? With this group, Mike McDaniel's come right out and, and gotten in his corner early, staying there, the whole deal. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't have some success this year. I'd be shocked if he doesn't. I think that's a really good team and the underrated part of this Miami team that no one talks about because there's so much attention about Tua and understandably so and what the offense is going to do. The defense stayed intact. They're bringing not everybody back. Player, everybody. The only player, thing, though, Charles, do you worry staff. about Flores with that defense not being there? I know Boyer was the D.C., but no Brian Flores. That's my you, only question. You worry about it, but they kept the D.C. They kept the coaching staff in place. Give Brian Flores all the credit for being the head coach and leading that as a defense. But I don't think that they're they're bereft at all. It's the same people, the same voices, the same schemes that they've been trying to trying to run. And by the way, look at who they got Agba back. Xavier Howard is there. We'll have to see what Holland is a stud at safety, I'm, too, I'm Charles. Talking. I love Devon him. Holland is the name I heard throughout preseason without fail at every camp I went to. When I mentioned I went to Miami. Every camp I went to said, hey, is Holland as good as I'm hearing? Because we really liked him coming out, but I've heard he has, and that's I'm just telling you, the word is out about Javon Holland in a big way. Pittsburgh Steelers, you mentioned one of those organizations that just finds a way. They do. Yeah. They know how to draft. Mike Tomlin knows how to motivate, knows how to lead. That offensive line is weak. There's uncertainty now for the first time a quarterback. Is it going to be Trubisky? Are we going to see Kenny Pickett? They're in the wrong division to me, Charles, because Baltimore's got, in my opinion, outside of Bill, Harbaugh's my favorite coach in the league. I love him. They win every year. He gets it. He's evolved. I can't say enough good things. The Bengals got that guy. 
at quarterback in Borough, and they're better than what they were a year ago. Pittsburgh, is this a full year at Trubisky, or do you expect the Jersey boy picket at some point? I think it, I think it all depends on how they come out of the gate and what the record is at a certain point in the season, JJ. I really do because Kenny Pickett, let's go back to the draft. He was a consensus. If you had to pick one of these quarterbacks that he had to play right away, Kenny Pickett was a pick on, by almost every person evaluating. He'd been in school the extra year. He had the maturity. He got better all during his time there, led his team to an ACC championship. Went to, high, went, went to New York as a Heisman Trophy finalist, just elevated everything about himself in his game. And I've seen that on display in the preseason and probably even better than what I expected, truthfully. He has been terrific. Now, a lot of it was dart throwing in the first two games, but he led that touchdown drive. Uh, it was not Jackson, but the guy who wasn't in the uh, opener at home. He leads that when they're down late. Gets that big scramble to keep a play alive. I had him in game three against Detroit, and they let him throw it downfield a little bit more. And he threw one, I think it might have been the Pickens, where he ends up throwing it to the outer part of the, of, of the just, just a gorgeous throw. Receiver, you go make the adjustment, make the play. This is a kid that's a few, few years ahead of the curve, and he's proving it, but I don't think he starts opening week, J.J. I feel like they're going to go with Trubisky, who had a good preseason and had a good game against Detroit. The offensive line has got to be of concern to them. They thought they upgraded at guard with James Daniel come, Daniels coming in from Chicago. He has not met expectations yet. They thought they'd have a battle at left guard with Kevin Dotson and Kendrick Green. Kendrick Green was pretty rough against Jacksonville. So rough that the head coach called him out in preseason. Preseason. So Dotson's getting the job. And at his best, he is a mauling road grader. Okay. Left tackle, I'm not sure they feel like Dan Moore has advanced yet in his second year. Chucks Okora four over a right tackle, and then he moved Mason Cole in at center. They played the entire first half against Detroit in the third preseason game. And I really feel like it's because Mike Tomlin's like, you guys got to show us something. And they really weren't doing it. They didn't play very well. Najee Harris played the entire first half. I was in shock. But they're trying to find something, trying to get something going. Fortunately, he doesn't get hurt. Nothing happens there. But some of his best runs were to get back to the line of scrimmage, JJ. And that's what they've got to get solved. I'm thinking about two potential future bets in the AFC. And you're doing all the AFC games, so I'm going to let you maybe be the tiebreaker, perhaps, Charles. Two teams I'm thinking about. Baltimore Ravens are one because I love the coach. I think the defense is unbelievable. They were the most beat-up team. Right? Like, they were the most beat-up team in the NFL last year, and they're still on the doorstep of making the playoffs. The other one, Charles, and I know I could have egg on my face for this one because we've all gotten burned with this team so many times in the past. I love the Chargers, dude. Herbert at quarterback, J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, all that firepower. Ravens, Chargers. Who's the better bet to win the AFC? Ooh, wow. I'm going to go with the Ravens. They were 6-2 and two at one point last year before Lamar started to get dinged. And as you mentioned, they were really one game out of the playoffs with Tyler Huntley and Pitt. But it wasn't just him. There were a ton of injuries. It was the whole IL. I mean, you looked every week. You're like, you're losing another guy to injury, for goodness sakes. Second straight year, you don't have Ronnie Stanley at left tackle, all of that. I thought Eric DaCosta and his personnel department did another wonderful job in the draft, fortifying. John Harbaugh shook up his staff a little bit, so that puts a little edge back into the building about what you're doing. 
I like that team a lot. The Chargers, to me, the underrated part of what they did in the offseason was where they shored up the defensive front or tried to. Getting Austin Johnson, uh, Joseph Sebastian Day. I mean, those kind of guys. Van Noy is going to help them, Charles. Van Noy is a winning player. Van Noy is a terrific player. But, J.J., their biggest issue last year was people could run the football on them. And late in the ball game, they could play keep away on you a little bit. Because offensively, I have zero worries about it. Zion Johnson is going to be a stud starting right away in the offensive line. That was a big help. They needed that desperately. I think that they're going to be fine. That's a non-issue. Justin Herbert's a stud. I realize that he comes across like, you know, this laid-back, West Coast kind of guy. He'll cut your heart out, okay? He's an assassin, too. Most people in the tiebreaker between Burrow and Herbert lean towards Burrow because they've seen Burrow and that intensity on display. I just tell everyone, don't get fooled by Herbert now, okay? This kid's got all that same, same qualities in him as well. Their biggest issue last year was stumbling against Houston in Week 17. If they win in Week 17, Week 18 to 9. They're in the playoffs, and they might have been a dangerous team in the playoffs, Charles. They're the team you don't want to deal with in the playoffs. I like what they're doing. I like Brandon Staley. I think they're going to be much improved and better on defense, and that could tell the tale because that AFC West, four of the top 15 quarterbacks in the league are in the AFC West, and the fourth is close. The guy who's in the top 15 is number four is closer to top 10 than he is to top 15. And that order will change from week to week. That's how good these four quarterbacks are. Final one, NFC. You know the front runners. Bucks because of Brady. Rams did a Super Bowl chance. Packers did a one seed and they come up short in the playoffs. It feels like year after year. Outside of those three, give me a team in the NFC that could go to the Super Bowl. New Orleans could surprise people. I'm in on the Saints, Charles. You read my mind, bro. You read it. The pending injury, we'll see how they'd have to do because, you know, he was supposed to immediately step in at left tackle. But I think Dennis Allen is a really good coach, and he's going to show better the second time out. I saw them at practice as well. If you didn't know Peyton wasn't there, the practices feel like Saints organization practices. I think they did some nice work. They Jameis stays healthy. Getting Juice Landry over is a big help. I like the Saints team. Remember, they've won the last four straight against uh, Tampa Bay in the regular season. So they're not afraid of them. The game that killed them, playoff game. Yeah, they went to the Super Bowl and won it. So I like them a lot. I think out West, I really want to keep an eye on the Arizona Cardinals. And the reason I say that is the second half of the year is always their issue. Cliff Kingsbury, until further notice, he has on his record, everywhere he's been a head coach, not a winning record the second half of the season. Texas Tech and the Arizona Cardinals. They can get that solved. That'd be a really dangerous football team. Because Kyler Murray, look, all the talk about did he study, did he not stay, whatever. Do you ever not want to watch him play? He's fun to watch. I'm not going to fight you on that. Okay. It's fun to you watch. You do. And they're loaded offensively, defensively. We'll have to see. Can you get everyone healthy? Can J.J. Watt stay healthy and give you a semblance of what we saw before? Right on down the line. But they, to me, they're a team. This is your opportunity to prove that you're different than you've ever been before handle your business in the second half of the season, go into the playoffs on an uptick. Charles Davis, he'll be doing the games all year with the great Iron Eagle. What an unbelievable announcing team. They got to get more Dolphin games, though, so we got to work on that. I'm already annoyed you guys are working on it. You guys aren't doing Dolphins, Ravens week two. Iron broke the bad news to me. Patriots, Steelers, eh, that's a mistake by the schedule makers. You can't say that, Charles. I can, because I wanted you guys in Baltimore. 
Listen, I'm just glad to have an assignment anywhere, but we are hopeful to see these Dolphins, believe me. I know you are, and the New York fan wants you doing the Jets sooner rather than later. Keep up the good work. I'm looking forward to watching all year. Go kill it, all right? Thanks a lot, JJ. You take care of yourself. Always a pleasure. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Ton of fun there with CD. All right. The over on this for the Jets and the Giants. Full disclosure, I would not play you the total. They will not be included in the five totals that I play. However, 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 because it is New York, New York, because you need to know my take, I got to give them out. The giant total at seven and a half, the number seems too high. It seems too high. I think Vegas is factoring in the NFC. They are factoring in a weak division. They are factoring in an easy schedule. I don't think the Giants are getting to eight wins. In fact, if the Giants found a way to get to eight wins, they did a remarkable, remarkable job. I don't see it. If I'm putting any shekels down on their future total, there's just not enough depth within the, the, the roster. They have no corners outside of Adoree Jackson. They're clearly retooling when you look at saying goodbye to a guy like Blake Martinez. Um, I, I'm just not there with the Giants. I'm not buying a renaissance here for Barkley. Tony and Galladay wake me up when they play, or there I say are effective, especially Galladay. I, I think the Giants are like a six-win team. I think they're better than what they were last year. The offense will look better under Brian Dable, but that has six and 11 written all over them. So I'm going under seven and a half for the Giants. Now, the Jeff fan is going to want to hear this because you want to see progress with these teams. And I think they're better. I think the roster is better. I think they'll be more competitive. I look at the schedule, though, and I'm not as pessimistic as Adam Shine, where I say that the Giants, where the Jets are going to go 0-7 to start the year, but where the Jets getting seven wins with six wins on the schedule? I don't see it. Who are they definitively better than the AFC? Honest question. The Texans? Maybe Jacksonville? Maybe. I'm down on the Patriots. When we get to our over-unders, you'll see why I'm down on the Patriots. So I think the Jets look better. They're more competitive. But I still think they're probably a 5-12 and 12 football team. So I'm taking under at 5.5. And, and I know the over is juiced, and I know some of you folks like it. Not me. I'm on the under. Now, the rest of our over-unders. I'm going to give you five that I really like. The first one, the Patriots. I love their under at 8.5 wins. The Patriots, what do they bring to the table that you like? Their offense has no plan. They lose Josh McDaniels. They lose their best corner. Mac Jones played poorly over the last six weeks of the year. I get it's Belichick. I get it's the Patriots. I don't see it with this team. I think the Patriots are a 7-10 special. I think they're going nowhere this year. And I may have egg on my face for this one. Don't care. Give me the Patriots under 8.5 wins. The second one I love, the New Orleans Saints over 8.5 wins on FanDuel at minus 130. Jameis Winston, you think about their offense with Olave and Landry and getting Michael Thomas back, their defense is 
terrific. It is a terrific, terrific New Orleans Saints defense. And they play well against Tampa. They have beaten Tampa. They, they, aside from the playoff loss, New Orleans is undefeated against Tom Brady in the regular season. Let that sink in for a minute. I'm on the Saints. I think they're a playoff team this year. Give me their over. That's pick number two. Pick number three, the Minnesota Vikings are a team I'm buying stock in. First of all, the division sucks. So I get to get two games against the Bears, maybe the worst team in the NFL. I get two games against the Lions. The Packers aren't as good. And I think the Vikings get a spark offensively from the new head coach. I think some fresh ideas. I think some new ideas. And his talent there, Jefferson, Thielen, Dalvin Cook. I know Kirk Cousins scares you in a big game, but I think the Vikings are hands down a playoff team. So my third total is going to be the Minnesota Vikings over nine and a half. I got two more for you. Vegas under eight and a half wins. The division is loaded for Vegas. The Chiefs still have Mahomes. The Chargers, my pick in the AFC to win the AFC West. We'll do all those on Thursday. Uh, but I am bullish on the Chargers this year. And Russell Wilson's in Denver. So, like, the Raiders add Devontae Adams. They add Josh McDaniels. But they were a team that won a lot of close games last year. I think we see some regression with that. I think the division being better hurts them. I, I think the Raiders are a 7-10 and 10 team. And I've never been a Josh McDaniels guy. I know he leaves New England, and I'm saying, oh, hold on a second. New England loses McDaniels. That's right, as a coordinator. As a, as a head coach, I am not sold. So pick number four, give me the Vegas Raiders under, under eight and a half wins. And then the last one I'm going to give you, and it's high, and I don't even care that it's high, give me the Baltimore Ravens over 10 and a half wins. I am bullish on John Horbaugh. I think he's the best coach in the NFL outside of Belichick. He's right there with Andy Reid. I love him. He adapts. He's been doing this for a long time. They were the most beat-up team in the NFL last year. They are going to be healthier by default. And even with everything going against them last year, the Ravens still were in playoff positioning till the end of the year. Ravens are going to be a playoff team. Ravens are going north to 10 and a half wins. So we got Ravens over. We got Vegas under. We got Minnesota over. We got New England under. And we have New Orleans over. Those are our season totals for the 2022 NFL season. We'll do the predictions and all that good stuff on Thursday. Um, and our first football Thursday and a Friday podcast will be here before you know it. All right. From over-unders to trivia. Larry, the floor is yours, sir. J.J. Larry, before it all starts out of the lab, what two players hit 30 homers for both the Yankees and the Cubs? The second one is 2014 was the last year nobody in the majors won 100 games. Who won the most games that year? I'm out. All right, Larry. 30 homers, Yankees, and the Cubs. Well, there's a guy on the team who's done it. He's on the team right now, Anthony Rizzo. Um, now, Stefan, is it more than one guy? There is one, more than one guy, Jay. And I know who it is. It would be my pal, High Stocks, Alfonso Soriano. I knew that one. That was a layup. Now, the second one from Larry, Stefan. I have no idea what year. What year is it? That might help me here. I believe the year is 20. The most wins in 2014. That's fine. 
I am going to say it was the Kansas City Royals. Mm. No, because 15, they won the World Series. That's inaccurate. That's inaccurate. 2014, most wins. The, hmm, hmm. Felt good about this. Is it the Anaheim Angels? See, I remember the Angels having a monster year, and then they lost to Kansas City in the playoffs. So, Larry, I was on my trivia game today, baby. What can I say? That's when you know football season's here. All right, before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, you had a good one with Georgia. I had a roller coaster ride with Florida. We had a tough one um, with the Arkansas-Cincinnati game. So, two games that could have gone either way. Uh, the floor is yours, sir. What do we got? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicap of picks. This is for tomorrow. Monday the 5th, as I want to wish everyone a happy Labor Day there. Everyone safe and happy Labor Day. Okay, so I'm going to go with one play in Major League Baseball. I'm going to go with the Seattle Mariners, minus the 125 over the Chicago White Sox. Again, I'm going to take the Mariners, minus the 125. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. All right, Jeff Money, going with a Labor Day Monday baseball play and giving us the Seattle Mariners against the Chicago White Sox. White Sox coming on a little bit here, bud. I actually would go heads up there. I'm going to take Fat Lance Lynn, and I'll take the Chicago White Sox heads up with you. Um, the Yankees are minus 184 tomorrow. You want to know why? They're playing the Minnesota Twins. You know, a Yankee Met parlay is not the dumbest idea tomorrow. We might think about that. Maybe a New York, New York special for me uh, to start Labor Day off right. And I, I guess... I'm not giving a play yet on the Thursday night game. We're not there yet. I'll give that Tuesday on Ringer Gambling and uh, maybe Tuesday after we interview Daniel Jones. But I'm super stoked. Daniel Jones, the quarterback of the New York Giants, will be joining us weekly on New York, New York. That's big boy shit right there. That is big boy shit by the company. Great work by CAA and Kevin Belby and Jones people and, of course, Amy Hudson and Bill and all the, the powers that be over at the Ringer. Hey, power moves from a power player and a power company. What can I say? That's what gets done around here. That's when I know I'm feeling the love. We're feeling the love, baby. I hope everybody has a fantastic Labor Day weekend. Great work by Stefan. We're back with Daniel Jones on Tuesday. Thursday, all the usual suspects for a football Friday. It is here, ladies and gentlemen. And the Yankees and the Mets are going to drive us to drink all September. Get ready for that. JJ out. Enjoy your Monday. Be good, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. 
It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.